dropped off a pretty little girl Same grade as me Tried to kiss her once in the aisle of the bus She walked right over me Face down From How to Barbecue Wright Studios in Hernando, Mississippi Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower Presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group And now, here are your hosts Matt Crane and Derek Big Lane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Actually, Matt, uh, we are. It says good morning that you'll be listening to this on a Friday morning, but we're actually recording this on Thursday afternoon. I think this is another Thursday afternoon recording for us because I've got a family coming in town for a big night tonight, and you were gracious enough to go ahead and just knock this out so I can uh, try to get this out early Friday morning before uh, before everything starts breaking loose for the weekend. Yeah, Derek, let's go ahead and be done with it and uh, release it out to our podcast listeners that we really, really appreciate. However, Derek's parents are coming to town. The North Point Trojans will have senior night tonight in South Haven right up Get Well. So congratulations to Bo Big Lane and all the seniors that we've uh, covered over the last two years congratulations to them we'll preview that here shortly i feel really good about the trojans chances tonight so congratulations to bo big lane and all the different seniors cheerleaders band dance team i think uh, derek i looked at one on instagram and saw one lady uh holding a gun so uh, that's oh, yeah. gonna be the rifle yeah. team i guess we have a rifle team at north point that's, that's correct yeah so congratulations to that young lady who gets to go out there at the um you know the football senior night because i would venture to say the rifle team senior night is uh poorly attended well that's all the they do the senior night for all of the fall and winter sports is what they're doing uh they'll do the senior night and now basketball is, is actually separate so i guess it's more fall sports uh basketball have their own senior night sometime in february uh then of course the spring sports do it also so again it, it is uh to kind of recognize in the volleyball recognize the football recognize uh cross country all those fall sports and i'm really looking forward to um you know just seeing everybody and again it will be a bittersweet night i do have my parents coming up we'll have uh, all of my wife's family there who uh, all of them basically live here they'll be all there so a huge uh huge uh, following from my son we have stickers made we have fat heads so it should be an interesting night again congratulations to all the seniors football season begins to wind down and, and so forth again Derek a very bittersweet time for the Big Lane family we're going to preview that game here shortly. We're going to give a few uh, updates, uh, talk a little bit more about, about our weekend, give some talks about what Derek and I are going to be doing Saturday. But before we discuss that, I want to remind all of our podcast listeners, the UTW Podcast is presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group are the number one team for over a decade when it comes to residential real estate here in DeSoto County. Whether you are buying or selling a home, you definitely want to call Team Couch. They are ranked nationally as a top-performing real estate team. Now is a great time to list your home. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. Again, completely free. Call Brian or Terry. Discuss your home with them. Listing your home, buying a home, anything you need when it comes to residential real estate. There's only one team in DeSoto County to call, and that's Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. They possess over 65 five years of combined real estate experience. Give them a call at 662-449-1700. Again, that's 449-1700 or call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 901-461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. Or find more information about them at teamcouch.com. Again, that's teamcouch.com. Thank you, Brian and Terry, for being our 2021 presenting sponsor. Want to continue to recognize our 2021 studio sponsor, the How to Barbecue Right Shop. 
How to Barbecue Right Shop is located right here in Hernando at 496 Whitfield Drive. This store has everything a person needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or really cool high-end smokers, Malcolm's Shop is the place to go. If you've ever seen his How to Barbecue Right YouTube videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can find more on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. Give them a call at 912-9947. That's 912-9947. Visit his website at howtobbqright.com. That's howtobbqright.com. But the best thing to do is to visit the How to Barbecue Right Shop located at 496 Whitfield Drive right here under the water tower. Derek, I teased a little bit a second ago, uh, speaking of our weekend, another thing we'll be doing this weekend, we will be going down to the Ole Miss football game, uh, maybe not together, but we're going to be traveling down to the Ole Miss football game for a big game. Ole Miss plays LSU this weekend. That's right. Ole Miss will be retiring the number 10, Mr. Eli Manning, for his, um, let's just say, storied career as an Ole Miss Rebel, and uh, really, really looking forward to that. And um, my favorite thing about Eli, real quick, I mean, other than the wonderful games, when we brought Hannah Grace home from the hospital, Eli and them were playing the Cotton Bowl. That was the day of the Cotton Bowl when we brought Hannah Grace home. I was at that Cotton Bowl game. Okay, there you go. Like January 2nd, 2004. That's right, because January 2nd. And just to show you how uh, selfish a – 20 early 20s matt was when i brought uh, we brought hannah grace home uh we parked the car heather's uh, family walks out as we're bringing our daughter home which is a very first grandchild special time and i i i simply asked my father-in-law did we score because because <laughs> i was listening to it on the radio so uh that just shows you what i was thinking of at 22 23 years old but uh, eli manning just such a the whole manning family i've mentioned them here on the show being from louisiana uh just paying attention to them for the number of years i mean he gave so many good memories uh, at Ole miss i mean just resurrected the program in the late 90s uh i'll never forget being at the uh, music city bowl when he came in mm-hmm. we were so far behind it was really mop-up duty next thing you know two touchdowns three four and he gave us life and we were really really excited for years to come but uh, i've listened to several interviews from former players people that know him played with him and uh as laid back as he is on the sidelines he's the exact opposite when it comes to being in the huddle just laser focused and uh gave us Ole Miss fans a lot of memories uh, that we'll never forget uh so eli manning not that you'll ever hear the utw podcast we definitely congratulate you and uh looking forward to another thing Derek. you and i grew up close to lsu uh grew up you know around lsu fans and the Ole miss lsu weekend is always a great great weekend Weekend, so that's going to be awesome too. It's always going to be a good game. It's always going to be pretty contentious, and just hope that we have a healthy quarterback and healthy receivers to uh, do what we can do. He's totally fine. That's nothing to worry about there. He's totally <laughs> okay. fine. And again, one of the, to me, one of the top five uniform games. The Ole Miss red always pops right against that against that LSU uh, white. So one of the best uniform games each and every year. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I've been to Baton Rouge numerous times for Ole Miss games. Uh, so just you know, good luck to the Rebels this weekend. But I definitely want to mention a couple of things about Eli Manning because he he was. I mean, we you and I both have been in the stands many a time uh, to watch his games for sure. So congratulations to him. So, so it is it is Eli's jersey at number ten, not Chad Kelly's. You and I could have an argument about that, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm so a number ten is not going up I'm, with Chad I'm a Kelly. Very, I'm a very big Chad Kelly fan. I share. I assure you that. Uh, let's just say back to back number tens were really, really good yeah. for the homeless yeah. Rebels. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Derek, we'll segue into local Alderman talk. Let's visit a little bit about the Alderman meeting, which happened this past Tuesday, the second Alderman meeting of October. Uh, Derek, only lasts a little bit over an hour. Not a whole lot going on. Give us some uh, specs of that. 
right after the approval of the minutes, there was a presentation of an award by the NAACP to Reverend Andrew Miller, uh, Alderman Andrew Miller, uh, Robert Tipton Jr., the president of the local chapter of the NAACP, uh, gave a, a letter of commendation to Pastor Andrew Miller for the service that he has given over the 23 years of him being alderman, uh, for his civil service, for everything he's done for the community, for African Americans in the community. And so just a really good, uh, you know, just a great honor. It was a you know, big formal speech, read it out, had members of the uh, NAACP at the meeting uh, right at the beginning. So that was wonderful. And then right following that, the Alpha Phi Alpha chapter also honored Andrew Miller for Excellence in Political Action Award, also for his 23 years of civil service. So just back-to-back awards given to Alderman Miller um, by two different groups and just to you know, show how well-respected he is in the community, read out his resume, which, of course, he covered on here. And just a really great you know, thing. There was a couple standing ovations for him. I thought it was really nice and uh, did not mean to skip that on Tuesday, uh, and, the, and the Alpha Phi Alpha was actually added to the agenda to come right after the other one. So congratulations, and thank you for your service, Mr. Andrew Miller. 23 years, uh, Alderman of War II, Mr. Andrew Miller, thank you again. 23 years of serving uh, any community is a very good thing, so congratulations to him for sure. All right, the next thing on the agenda, after the consent agenda, was probably the longest thing, unless you want to add the three planning commission uh, agenda items together. Other than that, the longest thing was consideration of participation in the initial development action related to the Mid-South Interstate Compact Agency. Now, that's a lot to say, to basically say that Hernando is being asked to participate in basically a mutual or joint relationship with other cities and states in the region to market themselves as a region, not a state, not a city, when we're trying to go after businesses uh, for the area. So this is uh, what they're trying to do is what I guess the country's gone to. Instead of competing as, okay, well, North Mississippi is competing against Memphis, who's competing against uh, West Memphis, it's now, no, now we're competing as a Mid-South region. Uh, well, that's what they're trying to do. And when they're going after it, they can say, okay, we have X number of skilled workers in this area. We have uh, X number of resources. We have X number of hotel rooms. We have, uh, you know, the schools are X. So that's, they're doing it as a region, which even if they did decide to move to Memphis, people are going to be living in DeSoto County. Move to DeSoto County. There may be people living in West Memphis driving over. There may be, you know, so that, that's what this plan is. And so this grew from the Mid-South Mayor's Council, uh, came up with this idea that was formed in 2013 and the the four i guess ideas uh, of doing this is again number one they're now uh connecting as regions so there are other places in the in the country that are already doing this uh, it takes all of the assets to compete They'll be competing against other regions of different sizes, uh, like a St. Louis region, a Kansas City region. But they're already doing that. And so, so it's a little bit like barbecue. <laughs> a little, yeah, exactly. But the Dallas region. We're in the Memphis uh, region. Yeah, here. Texas region. Um, and other cities are, have already have these compacts together. So that we already are losing out potentially on deals sure. because other regions are they're already doing that. So what will this, I guess, coalition look like? Um, they would lobby for funds for the region to the national government that would serve as federal uh, you know, grant applications would be applied for as a region. Uh, they would champion economic uh, impact studies for the region. And then Mississippi is an island port, and so all cities you know, ha- would have to um, you know, try to, I guess, focus everything toward the Mississippi River, using that as one of the resources for, again, the region. Now, what would the, this coalition look like? So what they would try to do is that each, the three states, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, would each have five representatives on this board, all right? So there'll be 15 people on the board. In order to approve something, so let's say that, uh, you know, we compete as a region and they decide they want to do, like we're getting federal money to improve maybe a highway or interstate or something, but it's going to be in Tennessee or going to be in Arkansas. 
how is this approved that, okay, yes, that's fine. We'll apply for that one, even though we're not getting anything, right? Uh, it would have to try to benefit us in some way, but maybe it's not exactly located in, let's say, from Mississippi. Not only does it take a majority of the board, it also takes a majority of each state. So, in other words, if Tennessee voted five uh, to nothing to do it, Arkansas voted five nothing to do it, but Mississippi voted three two to not do it, it doesn't pass. Wow, has to be the majority of each state plus an overall majority. So, which a are, lot of checks and balances, it seems like for sure. Right. So, I mean, so one state's not losing every time. Right. Um, so that that's how it would be set up. The com- now they there were some good questions. Well, who picks the commissioners? How are they chosen? Didn't have all those answers yet, but this is very important because it has to be approved on the local level. It then has to be approved at the um, the county level. It then has to be approved at the state level uh, through the legislature, and then that has to be sent to the uh, I guess the national government to understand that we're now looking, looked at as a region. So there's a lot of steps that have to be done. So they want to go ahead and try to get all of the mayors uh, in this area and the supervisors in this area to prove it now so they can submit it in January to the Mississippi and the Tennessee legislatures. Now, the Arkansas legislature won't pick it up until 2023 because they don't meet but every other year. So they don't even meet in 2022. Uh, but, but, but they can go ahead and start it with like kind of a, a general agreement that, yes, this is something that we'll do in 2023. So they can go ahead and start it. But that's why there's a rush. They'd like to have this um you know the money raised so there's a hundred and fifty thousand dollars needs to be raised to start basically hiring somebody and they, they have they gave the name out of who they would hire to start lobbying for this when we say mississippi is it the entire state i mean are we all the way no, down it's, to the it's coast this region i don't know how 82 and north or what i don't know if it's 82 north it's definitely taken to soda county i'm not sure how far that okay. may, may go down to panola county okay they didn't really specify where the cutoff is it just you know more competing as a mid-south region yeah so i don't know if oxford or batesville would be considered mid-south but that's kind of what they're looking at uh the hundred fifty thousand dollars though is the main key that they need to get the buy-in 107 has already been committed with memphis committing 75 uh, Olive Branch had already committed 10. I think Tipton County had already done it. Bartlett and Germantown had already committed money up to 107,000. Based on the normal pro rata that, you know, the, the, I guess, county usually does, Hernando would be uh, on the line for about 3,000 of this. Okay. That would be their pro rata. Hernando, so that's what was being asked. Would you commit $3,000 toward this in order to be part of this? There were, you know, again, discussions, these questions asked. Uh, South Haven also looked at it Tuesday night, uh, and so Hernando did pass to approve the three thousand dollars. We just we just while we had everybody there, NAACP, Alpha Phi Alpha, everybody, we just passed the hat, knocked out the three grand, <laughs> passed out the three grand, just knocked. Um, hey, here actually, we, go. we had we had a tourism money, so it was right there, easily. Okay, got it out of the tourism money. Also, the, I did print off that you know we, we don't really cover South Haven anymore, but at the same night, South Haven also approved their ten thousand okay. dollars. So now we're up to one hundred and twenty based on those two approving, trying to get to the one hundred and fifty number. So again, this is, it sounds like it's a great thing. I don't see any ill will. It's kind of like I think uh, somebody put it. I think Darren Muscle White actually uh, was quoted as saying it's like the. Um, the uh, Memphis Development MPO that, that we're already a part of that right. gets funding. It's like the MPO on steroids. And so that's, you know, it sounds like a great thing that could impact us for years to come. So Hernando did agree to be part of it. We could talk about federal politics, all that kind of stuff. But you, you said the key word there, Derek, the L word. Uh, we have to start lobbying for things like that, lobbying for funds. I mean, if we're not acting as a region and, like you said, taking on St. Louis and Kansas City and Birmingham and Atlanta and all that kind of stuff, but we're falling behind. So $3,000 from the city of Hernando to better this area. 
uh, money well spent. So l- let's see what comes with that. Uh, next, um, the, the, were the three planning uh, items that were on the agenda this week. Now, we talked about all of these in the planning commission meeting uh, when we covered that last week, but do want to give a couple, uh, I guess, a little more information on all three uh, quickly. The first, the final plat for Winningham Estates, it's not the final section. This actually gets us just over halfway finished in the Winningham Estates. It is the final plat for this section. Uh, there was um, the majority of the lots will be 11,000 to 19,000 square feet. There'll be four new streets put in. Uh, the minimum square footage for that is 1,800 square foot houses. It's going to be slightly different than the original plat. The roads will be due to uh, fiber optic cables that have been put in since the subdivision was approved. Now, this subdivision was actually formally approved before the recession. Wow. Um, so they're you know slowly building through this. Now, of course, everything's taken off. But um, there was fiber, fiber optic put in since then. So they're having to rearrange the street not to cover that up. Um, so that was, of course, uh, approved by the Planning Commission um, in the last meeting. The, this is the not, not the last phase. One good thing that is coming out of this phase, though, there'll be an entrance built off of 51 into the property. Mm-hmm. So it won't be at the beginning. The developer was there and said, hey, look, we're still going to have to use the, uh, you know, the current construction entrance. I know there's a lot of issues, but we have to use that until we have to get the right-of-way from uh, the state. Uh, Highway 51 is a state road. MDOT has to give them, you know, ability to be have that easement coming off 51. They're working on it. They haven't gotten it yet, so they have to use the construction, the current construction entrance, going past houses until they get that easement. Once they do, they'll cut a, a construction road through the back of it and no longer have to use the front front entrances again. Would we'll so probably be just north of First Baptist Church, that's Nesbitt. Correct. Yeah, yep, it's a, exactly. I don't know how wide the section is, but if you look at it on the, the GIS map, right. Yeah, just north of that, there is a, it does wrap around makes total sense the church right there. Uh, so anyway, that was good news. It was approved no really no discussion other than kind of verifying when that road would be cut in from 51 do we have our cluster mailboxes is it definitely uh, there will be right there will be cluster mailboxes. There you go. Yeah. just a shout out there yeah little cluster mailboxes <laughs> next a uh, request for the final plat approval on the two commercial lots located at renaissance park yep uh the direct access to 51 so both of these lots will be able to have cut you know like driveways from 51 you don't have to drive in to the road going into Renaissance Park and then turn in. You can actually turn in off 51, so they will have direct access. Uh, they will be, they, these had to be recorded in order to be, to be built. They were already zoned C4, but they were never recorded, so this is uh, being done. Now, Lot 1, they did make note, or the, uh, the BJ, the interim engineer, did say, hey, look, I mean, excuse me, the interim planning director did say, hey, Lot 1 does have some flood issues, right? So if is you're gonna, Lot 1 going to be on the south side? South side. South side, okay. It has some flood issues, so you have to kind of watch that. And Lot 2 has some easement issues on the north side. Now, of course, that's already been developed, already been, dirt work's been done, and, of course, the mini storage was approved. So they are aware of that, but there was, you know, so there's easement issues on the, on the north lot, Lot 2, flood issues on the south lot, Lot 1. Uh, but it was approved uh, as presented. And then the last one was the um, taking the commercial lot on the southeast corner of Green T and 51, going from R12 to C2, uh, taking it to commercial. Now, originally it was zoned commercial. When the um, subdivision was done, it's called the Crossroads subdivision. When it was done, the uh, old planning director was incorrect. He said that all of it had to be zoned R12 in order to get it approved because that's what the city, you know, I guess city code said. He was incorrect, um, and so, of course, he has passed now, so I'm not trying to talk ill about anybody who is no longer here, but the attorney for the developer plus uh, BJ said, hey, no, he was it was incorrect, that they could have left that corner lot C2 the whole time. So basically they were converting back 
to the original zoning on this lot, the 4.5 acres. All three other corners are zoned C2. It would make sense for that one to be zoned C2. Um, and so they were, you know, again, it was about a three or five minute discussion, talked about it, and it was, of course, taken back to C2. So no, really no discussion other than that. I'm familiar with the project that's trying to go there, and it's a neat project, Derek. So I think it, it fits right there on that corner. Uh, most people would be okay with it. I mean, it is what it is. Progress at Green Tea and 51, I mean, that's what's there. So uh, looking forward to that. Working through the agenda, the fire fees were put in. We talked about those. There are there now will be fire fees. I didn't Which, know this. Was, was that a hot topic? It wasn't really a hot <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, it, the, the issue was is that every time somebody comes and applies for you know, a permit, they had, you know, the city has a permit fee, right? But when they go to get the, the, their fire rating or whatever, go ahead and say, you know, has this been passed? Our fire department did not charge any fees. They just signed off on it as long as everything looked good. And other cities charge fees. So the city's like, well, if everybody else is charged. Why are we charging a fee? So now that's actually extra income the cities will start getting. Now, you'll still pay everything at the planning department, uh, but it will go into the fire marshal's um, uh, budget. So I thought that was a, a good thing. Um, of course, then they went and bought the cars for the police department, bought the tractors. Of course, those are all approved. On the discussion of upgrading the uh, proposed 8-inch water line to the 12-inch line, there's been a lot of discussion. Could the city give the part for the developer to buy the part, give it to him to put in? The city attorney looked at it, and basically – Really, the only legal way it can be done and without any kind of issues was the developer could put in the 12-inch pipe and then the city could buy it back. So he would, you know, so basically the developer would have to say, okay, I'm going to put in the 12-inch pipe and you can buy it back from me because, you know, the city would eventually have taken over the 8-inch pipe anyway. However, there can be no discussion previously to a price. There can be no agreement in place. In other words, the developer has to put this pipe in and hope that the city agrees to do this in the future. That's a big risk for the developer to take. You potentially say, I think the alderman wants to do this. And he absolutely does not have to do that. Does not have to do that. Now, he can put yeah. it in the agency line and right. move on. He, he, the only reason he's agreeing to do it is because he knows of future possibilities out in that area, and it makes sense to go ahead and do 12 versus 8 because we may look up three years from now, and he's got to dig it up and switch to an 8 or to a 12. That's right. And and, and all the aldermen are aware, look, this, is, this would be the cheapest route, but again – you cannot show any kind of what would be collusion. I got you. And so what the the city attorney is going to go is said, okay, we can put the 12-inch pipe in. Once the 12-inch pipe in, we can go back and have it appraised and said, okay, this difference in value is worth X. You know, we can offer to take it back and pay you X, whatever that difference would be. That is what he's going to propose to the developer, so we'll see what comes of it. Very interesting. I think a lot of people, including myself, may have checked out by now. So go ahead. Well, I know. <laughs> Uh, and finally, uh, the intimate domain issue was uh, an issue that was being talked about. Intimate domain for the AWG project. There's two sections of land that are you know, separate landowners that are not already currently owned that have to have easement through the properties to, in order to get the uh, sewer to the AWG building. Because of the long list of family members, one guy's passed away, so the family, you know, basically there's several family members that own this people property now. The other one, they couldn't get a response on. Obviously, we've seen how, how far along that building is. Because of all those issues, there's just no time to try to work something out. There's no time to try to get all the letters sent to everybody and maybe uh, come to an agreed-upon price. So the, uh, the board directed the city attorney to go ahead and start the imminent name project. Uh, he's going to help outsource that with a another attorney who's going to help him on this, somebody that has more eminent domain experience. 
will be used to do this. So the city attorney, Stephen Pittman, will contract, I think his last name was Scott, uh, with, the, with the attorney, I think Scott, to try to um, you know, start this eminent domain process and just basically skip trying to work. Not that they don't think that the families would work with them, they just don't have the time. Sure. And so they'll go ahead and start this process to get those eminent domain issues. What that means is they'll have to get the, the property appraised and then pay the landowners what that approximate value is for that easement. And, and then, you know, and as a a municipality they were able to do this and go ahead and take that easement they went ahead and authorized him to start that and matt uh, that basically does uh, does it for the meeting yeah not a very long meeting as you said Derek. a little bit over an hour there on the youtube so thank you to all the board of aldermen city clerk city attorney people doing the youtube all that kind of stuff again congratulations to andrew miller on a couple of uh, wonderful recognitions for being a servant of the city of hernando for over 20 years so congratulations again for that Derek. speaking of awards the hernando public library received an award based off of something that happened in the pandemic that was definitely helpful to the community. Tell us all about that. First Regional Library was recently named a 2021 Wi-Fi at Work Award uh, by Wi-Fi Forward, a coalition of companies, organizations, and public sector institutions working to keep communities connected over the Internet. During the pandemic, the library bought 500 hotspots. And so you could come and check them out at the library free of charge and be able to take those to your house and have your students work on homework um you know and this was of course this is 500 for the five counties it serves that was kind of split up based on really the i guess usage of the library so maybe you know hernando may have 15 another one may have 10 that sort of thing uh, but that was that was done all through the all through the pandemic and this was a great thing a great help got a, a lot of compliments during it uh talked about how you know they really kept the you know when kids had to go uh, online, that it really helped some of the kids out. We're able to keep people connected when they don't have service. You know, a lot of people that live out, you know, uh, outside of town don't have, um, you know, any kind of service. So it was really good that they were able to do that because typically you can, and this is something I want everybody to know. First of all, obviously you can go to the library, use your computer, free Wi-Fi. But you can also pull up in the parking lot. And they've got a signal strong enough where you can sit in the parking lot and work on your computer, do what you need to do. But even during the pandemic, people weren't able to get out or they were scared to get out. So they were able to go get this Wi-Fi hotspot and take it home with them. So, again, they were uh, awarded this uh, award, the, uh, again, At Work Award, the Wi-Fi At Work Award. Only 16 companies in the nation got this. Uh, and one of them was a first regional library, which, again, serves five counties in northwest Mississippi. So just want to say con- uh, congratulations to the library system. Y'all who have not been there, we have a wonderful, wonderful library that is completely wide open now, obviously. But uh, even during the pandemic, try to do everything they can to make sure they can reach people uh, along with online books and, and checking out. They've waived all fees during the pandemic. Right now, they are still, if you check out a book and the book, when it comes due, if it's not on hold, they will automatically renew it for you. You don't have to bring it in and renew it. You're not assessed any fines for it. So again, the, the library really helping out people uh, during the pandemic. And uh, you know, just they should be very proud uh, to receive this award. You have been on the board for the uh, First Regional Public Library for almost a decade or so? No, uh, no, it hasn't been that long. I started in 2017, okay. and I will be up uh, once I'm finished. It'll be 10 years. Okay, so I've got another five-year term. Yeah, so I mean, very interesting. Congratulations to the First Regional Public Library. Uh, the Hernando Public Library is a huge asset. Uh, we continue to say it every time we talk about the museum or our advertiser that we're about to mention. Just a wonderful, wonderful asset uh, to the community for sure. Speaking of wonderful assets, I'm speaking of the Hernando Farmers Market. The Hernando's Farmer's Market, obviously, it's starting to kind of wind down. So if you want to visit the Hernando Farmer's Market this coming Saturday, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., that's 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. this coming Saturday on the historic Hernando Square, definitely get out while you still can to the Hernando Farmer's Market. They now have three meat farmers. I continue to mention them. 
Brown Dairy Farms, Kendall Cattle Beef, and Rickman's Meat Company are all there at the Hernando Farmer's Market. The Hernando Farmer's Market this year will get really close to over $400,000 in sales. That's every Saturday, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. for the Hernando Farmer's Market. As I mentioned, we're starting to wind that down. That's going to be done in October. There will be a special Hernando Farmer's Market coming up on Saturday, November 13th as part of the Hernando Dickens of a Christmas, which we will talk tons about over the next three weeks. On Saturday, November 13th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. will be the Hernando Christmas Farmer's Market. That'll be coming up. Thank you to the Farmer's Market for being a sponsor of the UTW podcast for the last six months. We really, really congratulate you on a wonderful year. We really appreciate Ms. Gia Matheny who can talk to you about anything related to the Hernando Farmer's Market at 449-9092. That's 449- The Hernando Farmer's Market, truly a fresh, local experience. The secret is out. North Point Christian is DeSoto County's most popular private school destination. 211 new students made the switch and became part of the North Point family this year, pushing their enrollment to record levels. North Point will be hosting their first open house of the year on November 7th at 2 p.m. They encourage prospective families to come and see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Interested families should reserve their spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. They invite you to get ready to make the switch and join the North Point family podcast continues to be brought to you by Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local State Farm provider. They are located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or learn more information on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Again, that's Lauderdale Insurance Agency on Facebook. Well, Derek, it's the middle of our Friday show, which means it's time for the Soto County shout-outs. The Soto County shout-outs are a simple way for us to give a little bit of a boost when it comes to a nonprofit uh, here in the local area, here in the Hernando area, as we try and uh, you know bring a little bit of light to or help them with their upcoming events. The first thing we're going to talk about is going to be this coming Sunday. This isn't a spot where we recognize different church functions or whatever, but Derek and I both attend Hernando United Methodist Church, and they have their annual fall festival this coming Sunday, the 24th, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the North parking lot. It's going to be a lot of fun, almost like a trunk-or-treat event, football tosses, a cakewalk, a number of different things for kids of all ages, just a lot of fun. Just an opportunity for us to uh, pray together, uh, share some, some good laughs together, coming up this weekend, Sunday, from 4 to 6. Derek, will you be in charge of the cakewalk again? Yes, I will. And you will be in costume. Yes, I will. You don't have to say it. Please come out between 4 and 6 to the Hernando United Methodist Church Fall Festival to see Derek's costume. It's typically uh, pretty good, Derek. So uh, any teases there? No, Matt, no teases. You'll have to show up and see. There you go. Show up and see. 4 to 6, come and go. Just a lot of fun uh, for kids of all ages. Well, Derek, before that event coming up on Sunday, something else going on around Hernando uh, this weekend. Kudzu Playhouse will be performing Steel Magnolias live at Coffee Central Squared on Friday night, so tonight, uh, at 6.30 p.m. And then 
live at the DeSoto County Courthouse Lawn on Saturday night, the 23rd at 6.30 p.m. Both of these theater performances will be free to the public, so come out. It should be beautiful, nice both night. Now, obviously, there's something right. else going on at 7 tonight. Yeah. Leads us into next Saturday morning, next Saturday morning, October 30th, from 9 a.m. to 12 noon, the inaugural Crew Boo Fun Run. The Crew Boo Fun Run, all proceeds go to what we just mentioned, Derek, the Hernando Public Library, whether we raise $5 or 5000 it's all going back to the library. So it's an opportunity for you to come out, get some wonderful Instagram photos, get, take a lot of pictures. The first 100 kids that register to uh, be, be a part of the fun run will get a medal. So uh, uh, we, Derek, you and I get a lot of side texts about, hey, not every kid should win a medal and so forth. But, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, some of these kids are one-year-old, and they're in a wagon, and they're dressed like a poodle. So uh, yeah. right, look, it's going to be okay. Get over yourself. Yeah, we, we encourage costumes. And, again, it is a fun run. We will be you know, circling the track. I get some good exercise, but it's mostly for fun. Um, you know, we'll be doing a little, uh, you know, kind of a neighborhood walk, a little, uh, you know, finishing on the track. And again, we'll have moon bounces, yep. uh, at least a couple moon bounces. We'll have some face painting. Uh, we'll have candy. We'll have drinks. So please, you know, even if it's for an hour or for all three hours, come out, bring your children. Really looking forward to it. Again, this is all the proceeds go to the First Regional Library. It will help us to supplement what we could not raise uh, from our main fundraiser this past uh, winter. We were not able to have the Mardi Gras ball we usually have. So this is going to be what we give to the library for this year. So again, please come out, support the local library by registering a child and having a fun just morning. I mean, this will be great. Still leave your whole afternoon, your whole Saturday evening to watch football or go watch your kids play football and, you know, but still support a great local library and just having a fun time doing it. Visit the Crew of Fernando Facebook page for more information. A link to register with Race Roster. A link to register is right there. $25 for one child, $40 for two children or more. So an entire family, two, two kids, three kids, five kids, doesn't matter. Uh, just, you know, we ask that you uh, think about the library and, and don't sign up, you know, all the cousins and, and stuff like that uh, under one family, please. The inaugural Crew Boo Fun Run is going to be a lot of fun next Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 12 noon please consider coming out and supporting all proceeds go to the Hernando Public Library. Derek, next week we'll start mentioning our shout-outs. Again, I said it a few moments ago, the Hernando Dickens of a Christmas. Simply want to give a shout-out to the Hernando Main Street Chamber of Commerce, an award-winning event right here in the city of Hernando. It's really, really neat. Uh, the weather started to turn. It's starting to get cooler. So right around the corner is the Hernando Dickens of a Christmas. So we look forward to talking about that over the next two or three weeks. Definitely becoming a tradition here in the city of Hernando, the Hernando Dickens of a Christmas, put on again by the Hernando Main Street Chamber of Commerce. Speaking of a tradition, with over 60 years, of combined dental experience, Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter of DeSoto Family Dental Care are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, implants, implant-supported dentures, general dentistry, and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, digital x-rays, intraoral cameras and autoclave sterilization an in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully evolved in the lab process from beginning to end you can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with a relaxing personalized dental care visit their office today to see the dfdc difference they're the official dentists of the UTW podcast, and they should be yours. Call them at 429-5239. That's 429-5239. Again, visit them today for the DFDC difference. 
Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. Derek, just the other day, uh, I speak about it just a mention, mentioning leaf removal. I uh, saw a big truck pull past me the other day with a huge trailer that uh, is made for leaf removal. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those big suction mm-hmm. things going in for leaf removal. That's one of two trailers that Williams Services has wow. able to serve here in DeSoto County. They do a number of the different schools, a number of different commercial properties all around DeSoto County. Richard and his team are ready to serve you. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. As I mentioned, whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, gate repair, fence repair, new fence construction, anything on the outside of your residence or commercial property, you need to reach out to Richard and let him help. You can call him at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find more information about Richard and his team at Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Again, that's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Thank you, Richard, for being a customer of Mobile Car and Van Rental. I joke around, Derek, the truck I was talking about was actually one of ours. So, (laughs) yeah, thank you, Richard, for being a customer. Mobile Car and Van Rental is the sponsor of the local high school sports we discuss, volleyball, football, baseball, all that stuff coming up. Available for you at the corner of McCracken and Commerce. 662-469-4555. 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. We are starting to fill up for Thanksgiving. If you plan to travel with a van, travel with a group, travel with your family for Thanksgiving, you definitely want to call us as soon as possible. 662-469-4555. Again, that's mobile car and van rental. Derek, before we uh, go into our volleyball talk and then wrap up with our football uh, discussion, football preview, Tell us about a signing that happened for a local athlete here the other day. All right, Matt. North Point's Ella Chris, uh, stand, she is a standout golfer uh, at North Point. She is signed to play golf uh, in college at Dalton State College, an NAIA school located in Dalton, Georgia. Uh, it's one of the, you know, it is a small school, but has one of the top women's golf teams in the country for that size. Uh, they are currently ranked second in the nation. According to the NAIA Women's Golf Coaches Poll, uh, they are known as the Dalton State College Roadrunners. The coach there has been there since 2013, really struck it up over the last couple of years with uh, Ella Cress. Uh, has been spending a lot of time coming to watch her play. Uh, she finished tied for third this year in the, in the TSSAA Division 2A state tournament with a two-day total of 146. She shot a 74 and then a 72. Uh, she helped the Lady Trojans win three West region championships and two state runner-up finishes and she was region champion this year shooting a 68 to get the win so we want to congratulate ella chris on signing with dalton state college roadrunners to continue her both academic and athletic career Derek, you and i 
occasionally play golf. We play golf as part of scrambles, it seems like nowadays. But uh, to be in high school and break 80 is absolutely awesome. So shout out to that young lady for um, when I first started over at Jacksonville State and I, I knew some of the girls that were on the golf team, those girls were barely breaking 90 and yeah. they still had scholarships to college. So if you're looking for, you know, I know we spend a lot of time uh, out there in the world taking, you know, guys especially taking them to baseball, travel baseball stuff, travel soccer stuff, all that type stuff. Man, if you if you can hear my voice and you're a parent and you have a daughter that's maybe 10 or less, there is scholarships, full ride scholarships if your daughter can break 90 out there. It may not be at Ole Miss, who's a national champion, or Mississippi State or something like that, but if your daughter can break 90, she can go to college somewhere in the country uh, completely free. So just want to throw that little shout-out right there. Let's talk about some other young ladies that worked so hard for the North Point Trojans. Let's talk about their volleyball team. Traveled this past week, traveled over to Murfreesboro. We previewed it on Tuesday. Traveled over to Murfreesboro. We were hoping for a different outcome. What you got? North Point entered the Final Four, hoping to continue its winning ways and try to bring a state championship back to South Haven. In the first match, they went against Battleground Academy. It was back and forth from the start, trading points and trying to get that all-important first set victory. The set had to go to one extra point, with Battleground winning the set 26-24. The second set was just as close, but this time North Point was able to pull it out 25-22. The third set was all Battleground, who took the set 25-11. And with the Trojans having to win the fourth set, they fought and scratched for every point, but fell just short 25-23 to lose the first match in the state tournament 3-1. Top performers for this match were Hassie Claire Thurman with 12 kills, 21 digs, and one ace. Quinn Thurman with 7 kills and 17 digs. Macy Gross with 5 kills, 3 blocks, and 15 digs. And Sophia Bauer with 2 kills, 17 digs, 24 assists, and 2 aces. Now with the loss, that means that the Trojans had to turn right around and play again. Uh, they, that, of course, that was the bad draw, having to play back-to-back matches. The team they faced, Concord Christian, had lost the 9 a.m. match and had had a two-and-a-half-hour break between their matches. This match started off like the first one for the Lady Trojans, with them losing the first set 25-23. And again, like the first match, they took the second set 25-20. They lost the third set 25-18 and then completely ran out of gas, losing the last set 25-10. Top performers for this match were Quinn Thurman with 11 kills and 14 digs, Briley Faith Cherry with 8 kills, 3 blocks, and 3 digs, Hassie Clear Thurman with 13 kills, 10 digs, 1 block, and 2 aces, and Sophia Bauer with 28 assists, 9 digs, and 1 ace. It was a great season for the Trojans, who came in fourth in state. They bring all of their starters back next year and add a couple of great players from the eighth grade and should make another run next year. And we want to say you know, from the UTW podcast, congratulations to the Lady Trojans volleyball team. Congratulations on a wonderful year, uh, Derek. That's a great experience for them to get to travel over to Murfreesboro. Definitely would have loved a, a chance to win one or two games and go a little further. But at the same time, they had a taste of it. Now they know exactly what to get back to. So I look for them to be pretty strong next year. Congratulations to all the young ladies that played volleyball this year, the public schools, the private schools. Congratulations. We thoroughly enjoyed the last several weeks. Congratulations again on a wonderful year all throughout the county. Well, Derek, speaking of congratulations, speaking of things, speaking of kind of bittersweet moments, as we talked about earlier, senior night tonight, North Point Trojans. Tell us all about it. I feel really, really good about the game tonight. Tell us about it. Well, Matt, before I get to that, we want to remind everybody, we're taping this on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, actually, and Lewisburg and South Haven moved their game up this week. Uh, but they, I think they announced it, I believe, Wednesday morning. They were moving the game up uh, to 
Thursday, not because of rain, obviously, not because of weather like it was a couple weeks ago, this time because of lack of officials. There are a lack of officials across the state, so now they're kind of having to go to Thursday-Friday games. You're going to probably see more of this as the season ends, I think, next week. And then the first week in November, they've already looked at splitting those up and having some games on Thursday, some games on Friday. So Lewisburg and South Haven will be playing tonight, tonight being Thursday, uh, when we're taping this. So we we're not able to preview it since they will have already played when you hear this podcast. And so we'll have to discuss their review uh, on Tuesday during our Tuesday show. Uh, now, so switching to North Point, North Point Trojans uh, host the Sheffield Knights. This is senior night, and which, of course, is always the last home game of the season. And it will be a bittersweet night for all the seniors and their families. All of the seniors for all of the fall sports teams will be announced starting at 6.30 p.m. Um, and football will be the first to go, so they can go out there and get announced and then run back in the locker room to get ready for the game. Once the festivities are over, the 4-4, four 1-1 and four, one and one Trojans, so 4-4 four and four overall, 1-1 one and one in district Trojans, will face off against the 3-5, and 2-3 and three Knights, two teams who have never played each other before. The Trojans are trying to bounce back from their first district loss to ECS, while Sheffield is coming off a bye with their last – game being two weeks ago a 32 to nothing loss to Raleigh Egypt the Knights have trotted out three quarterbacks this year with number eight Joseph taking the most snaps under center he leads the Knights in passing with 290 yards and two touchdowns and second in rushing with 356 yards for the season the leading rusher for the Knights is number one Spearman who has 590 yards and two touchdowns the Knights prefer the run over the pass two to one and the Trojans will need to continue the defense that they had against ECS in the second half to contain the running game. The weather should be much better tonight and allow Jack Patterson to throw the ball to the multitude of receivers at his disposal. I look for the Trojans to bounce back in a big way tonight, outdoing the Knights 49-19 to to get back above 500 again on the season. Derek, the mascot uh, battle right there, like you said, the Trojans and the Knights. Man, I got to tell you, it's kind of going to – I'm going to think of draw on that one. It's so much a draw. I don't even know. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. They're just wearing something different. So I'm going to say a draw on that one. However – for senior night, my favorite player, number 62, Bo Big Lane, the center for the North Point Trojans, I believe it is an absolute mauling tonight. I'm predicting the North Point Trojans will score over 60. Okay. I'm predicting they will score over 60, and the defense will show up tonight and give up less than 20. It is a murder. It may not get to 60 to 20 because of the running clock. Uh, the offense is going right. to go absolutely insane on senior night. I'm really, really excited. Got a ne- got a big game next week. We'll talk about that next week. My, that might be a little bit different. But yes, uh, yes. this particular game, senior night, it's going to be a lot of fun. The place will be rocking. A lot of people will be there for senior night. So the weather's supposed to be perfect. Good luck to the Trojans tonight. Again, we're recording on Thursday, but you're here this on Friday. Good luck to them tonight. Really, really proud of you, Bo, and uh, just a young, a nice young man and uh, just a polite kid and uh, really, really uh, enjoy every second of every snap tonight. Next, we have Hernando Tigers versus the Horn Lake Eagles. Hernando, 2-6, and 1-3 and three in district, will host Horn Lake, 4-3, and 3-1 three, three and one tonight at Tiger Stadium and will be looking to rebound from the hard-fought loss of DeSoto Central last week. Horn Lake is looking to push their winning streak to three and the overall record in the series is to 29-14-2. Horn Lake is tied for second in the region and has a good defense who, had not given up, who has not given up more than 16 points all year. On offense, they are led by number one running back Moore, who has 443 yards rushing and three TDs and also plays some Wildcat quarterback. Their main quarterback is Condor, who has thrown for 746 yards and eight touchdowns. Hernando will have to be able to stop the passing threat, but also be wary of the powerful running game that the Eagles have with three players having more than 300 rushing yards on the season. On offense, the Tigers will need to come up, 
to find a way to open up the offense against a tough defense and hopefully connect on a couple deep passes to open up the box and get the ground game going. I do see the Tigers being able to hang with the Eagles. The Eagles defense will hold the Tigers in check and will produce enough offense to put them away in the fourth quarter. My prediction, Horn Lake, 20-10. to 10. So pretty low scoring. You're just simply saying, hey, Horn Lake only gives up 16 a game. So you say, all right, they're gonna defense is gonna do what they do. So give up around 10. They do have a Hernando Tigers do have a field goal kicker that that's you know can make something from 40 in. So that makes sense. 20, 20 to 10 is a good score. So it's a hard fought game, not a blowout, just kind of back and forth type situation. I don't know exactly the score. I'm not gonna give that necessarily, but I, I do agree with you. Uh, the Hernando Tigers. I mean, God bless them. They're just it's just you know Zach works really hard out there. They're doing kind of the best they can, but from a defensive standpoint they're just not a very large defense and uh again i see horn lake who's who's pretty hot like you said winning streak uh the last two games trying to get to the third one uh fighting for a playoff spot i'm just going to say horn lake probably by about anywhere from eight to twelve okay. horn lake eight to twelve i mean horn lake's a good football team um and that's what i'm just going to call eight to twelve point win for the horn lake eagles that game is tonight we will certainly be pulling for the hernando tigers i hope i'm wrong i like to always be wrong i hope i hope i'm wrong in every game and hernando wins you know Goes 15 and 0 and wins a state title. That's, that would be pretty awesome for our show, no doubt about it. But I, I just think Horn Lakes, uh, you know, just the firepower. It's just not doesn't seem to be there as we wrap up the season coming into October, and November uh, last year, chasing a playoff spot. This year, uh, different tune. So good luck to the Tigers tonight. Good luck to the Trojans. We're recording on Thursday. Good luck to the Patriots. We'll review that game on Tuesday. That's right. Uh, good luck to them playing South Haven, of course. So definitely prayers for safety and, and everybody to have a wonderful night, Derek. Good luck tonight on Senior Night. I hope it's a wonderful time for the big lane family glad everybody's able to come out and, and support Bo for sure well look if you enjoy what we talk about volleyball matches shout outs the library alder meetings anything like that you definitely enjoy our show we really really appreciate all the support tell your friends tell your family to listen to the utw podcast also find us on facebook at utw podcast instagram at utw podcast twitter at utw pod that's utw pod on twitter as I mentioned, Derek, recording on Thursday, just got a note. We will sit down with Corey Osselton, the superintendent of DeSoto County Schools, next Thursday. He will be part of our Halloween show, which we plan to have a really good time on our Halloween show. Again, we will be doing our Halloween show in costume. In costume. We will not say what that is, but it will be in costume, so that should be uh, very interesting. Uh, I guess if I decide to go as a zombie it's going to be a little tough to you know while we're in character and in costume it's going to be a little tough to understand me he's going to be part of our halloween show next friday which we will sit down with him talk all about the hernando uh, the new hernando high school which should be the nicest definitely the most expensive uh school that's ever been built by the Soda county schools so going to be really really neat talk to him all about that the future of hernando schools the moves that they made how they kind of came up with those type things so really really looking forward to sitting down with Corey Osselton, the superintendent of the Soda county school next week just a tease there if you enjoy our show wherever you can hear it give us a five-star review spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. give us that five-star review to help us move up when it comes to local podcasts speaking of local podcasts if you enjoy our show be sure and look for ob pod simply stands for olive branch they cover the eastern side of desoto county Lewisburg, Center Hill, and Olive Branch. They give very high-quality football coverage on their show for those three schools, and they talk all about all the different things, all the different events, wonderful things happening on the eastern side of DeSoto County. Again, that's OB Pod. Look it up. 
If you're interested in advertising with the UTW podcast, we do have spots available. Send us an email at under the water tower info. It is a bit long under the water tower info at gmail.com. We'd love to get you over an advertising packet as we continue to grow. You definitely want to look at advertising with the UTW podcast. I'll say it out loud. We have the type of listeners you definitely want as customers. We have the type of listeners you want as customers. Send us an email under the water tower info at gmail.com. Well, Derek, on our Friday show, we always encourage people to go to church. Go to church this weekend. Take your family to church this weekend. If you have a church that you pass by every day, find their information on Facebook, find their website. They more than likely will share their service times. And so you could visit that church this weekend. Definitely want to encourage anyone who's hearing our voice on this Friday show to go to church this weekend. You will not be sorry you went. If there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl